Hey everyone, thanks for pressing play. Before we start this episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, BAM Sales Enablement. One of the best ways that marketers can improve revenue at their companies is to help your sales reps and your distributors close more deals. And one of the best ways to do that as a marketer is to make sure that those reps have the best, most up-to-date content for their critical sales conversations. BAM's tools help you do that. They let you publish your most up-to-date content across a network of sales reps and distributors so that it is instantly available. It's got a newsfeed feature, which shows your reps the newest stuff and highlights what has changed for them so that they can check it out right away. And it's also got offline mode, so they can pull up any of that content on their phone even when they don't have an internet connection. If you want to check it out, please visit bamsales.io. Now, let's get to the episode. What is good, everyone? Welcome to the Industrial Marketing Show, the number one podcast for marketers in the manufacturing space. And so uh, you guys know me. I'm one of your hosts. I am Matthew Chanella. And I'm MJ Peters. All right. So we're going to have kind of a shorty episode this week because MJ had a, MJ reached out to me, wanted to talk about unit economics for industrial companies. And so um, really taking the cue from SaaS. Um, in tech companies where it's a completely different economic model. And I can speak to a little bit of that working at Gravy. And I'm sure you can speak to it, MJ, with where you're at right now. So I'm going to kind of see the floor to you. And we're going to talk a little bit about kind of the different um, financial models for some of these companies and how that maybe will shift your thinking as far as your marketing. Yeah. So the inspiration for this episode comes from uh, me starting to work at Refine Labs and you know, we're putting together content, including stuff about our marketing performance analysis, which is like the big analysis project we do with a lot of our customers to basically find out which marketing campaigns are actually driving revenue and which are just driving vanity metrics. And as part of that, I was looking up like benchmarks in software as a service. And one of the key benchmarks people look at is payback period. And payback period means you spend X to acquire a customer and then your recurring revenue model delivers X amount of revenue every single month, how long does it take you to break even on that customer acquisition cost? And it just occurred to me, like, that's not the case a lot of times in manufacturing. So a lot of the people who talk a lot about marketing on LinkedIn, with the exception of Matt and I and some others, are in this world of SaaS. And so some of the tactics they talk about might not actually be applicable in a manufacturing environment because the unit economics are different. And in general, I think SaaS companies can probably afford to spend more to acquire a customer because eventually there is a payback period. And we'll talk a little bit about how some manufacturing companies probably have unit economics that look like SaaS, but that's kind of where I wanted to kick it off. Like if you're selling a capital piece of equipment, that's a one-time purchase. Yeah. So, I mean, I know, so basically when you work in tech and I, and I worked in tech for a little while, there's two, me- there's two metrics that they look at. It's either ARR or, or MRR as, as far as the revenue model. It's like annual recurring revenue or monthly recurring revenue. You basically put your customers in like a cohort and you sort of game that out over like, there's, there's some formulaic things that go into that. Uh, most, most recurring revenue businesses account for some level of churn as well. And then essentially from that, you calculate payback period, and then uh, ultimately ROI and things of that nature. So in manufacturing, a lot of it, like you said, is CapEx. So most of what you're looking at, honestly, is profit margin at that point. Like profit margin is kind of like the metric that you're looking at. 
for, okay, and marketing essentially is cutting into profit margin. Like the marketing cost that goes into acquiring a customer is essentially cutting into profit margin. And so you need to have, in terms of the unit economics, if you work in CapEx, so if you sell industrial robots or if you sell um, welding equipment or if you sell machinery, you know, you got to look at profit margin average on average for a sale and then figure out what is an appropriate percentage of marketing to cut into that profit margin for it to still be, you know, Satis, uh, you know, satisfactory for your executive board. Um, figuring that out is going to allow you to determine where to place bets on your marketing, what are the right channels to invest in, um, and then you know where you can make good decisions in terms of where to put money and where to not put money in regards to your marketing. Um, there's other obvious areas. Now, there's other areas of of industrial where there is like a lot of recurring revenue, though, right? I mean, you have contract manufacturing definitely is one. Um, and, and there's other things like packaging. So that's just essentially another form of contract manufacturing where like you acquire an account, like let's say you do medical device packaging and assembly and you get a startup or a scale up company and they start at a hundred thousand dollars, right? A year. And you basically as a company are making the bet that, well, this company is going to get acquired by Abbott labs or Johnson and Johnson. And they're going to go from a hundred thousand. They're going to go from a hundred thousand dollars a year with us to 1.1 million, maybe. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, they're spending that much a year on me, uh, and they're going to be with me as a client for eight, nine, ten years because the cost of change is ridiculous in contract manufacturing, especially in things like medical device. Well, that customer all of a sudden for you is worth that LTV is what twelve million dollars or something like that. So, like, you could spend six figures to acquire a customer like that. Now, there's obviously not every customer you acquire in packaging is going to work that way, but. You know, you got to go through this is this is a good opportunity for you to become good friends with your CFO and say, hey, can you walk me through kind of the sort of these numbers? Because your, your CFO in industrial is probably not even thinking about this stuff, honestly. Like you can come to them and say, hey, I need to know lifetime value of the customer. I need to know um, payback period for some of these things. I need to know our ROI to acquire a customer. Um, and then that will allow you to go to your board and say, look, it costs if it costs us this much to acquire a customer and they become this as a, as this is our average LTV, we should be spending this much to acquire that customer. And so we should be making, we should be doing X, Y, Z on ABC channel as a result. Yeah. Uh, the way that your CFO probably looks at the PNL or some things that they look at when looking at the PNL are you start with top line revenue. And then as Matt already mentioned, you you drop down to gross margin dollars. And so there is a gross margin percent, which is basically like when you take your revenue and then you subtract the cost of goods and the cost of labor for the people that actually touch and build the product. Yep. Not for marketing, the people who touch and build the product. Assembly, get, logistics, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then you get gross margin dollars. And so like a, a pretty like for a pretty solid like um, value-based sale in manufacturing, you might be getting a gross margin of like 60 or 70%. So, so you lose like 30 or 40% uh, in, in gross margin. Uh, and then from there, you're going to subtract overhead. And overhead is the expenses of all of the people and all of the things that do not directly touch the product. So like the rent for your building or the mortgage for your building, um, marketing is there. Yes. Uh, sales commissions are there. So marketing is in that overhead line. And you want to get a good sense for um, what I've heard CFOs refer to as the shape of the P&L. Uh, it would be interesting to talk to your CFO about what 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 should the shape of our P&L be? And what I mean by that is, 
what's the revenue number? What's the gross margin percent number? And then what's the overhead number? And then finally, what's your return on sales? So for example, you might be a manufacturing company with 60% gross margin, 40% overhead, and 20% return on sales, right? Um, and and you, you want to be able to make that make sense. Um, and once you know what the appropriate overhead is, then you can, you, you, a lot of those other costs are fixed, right? Like you've got a certain number of people, et cetera, and the marketing cost is variable and you have to keep it under there. But I would say like, you might also find that uh, segments in your business. Yes, I was going to um, bring that up like have different, different PLs, like the shape of their PL is different. Like you might have a super high margin product line uh, that you sell to like 10 customers. And then you might have like a high volume, low margin product line. And the marketing budget for those two businesses should be different. And you should take that into account in your marketing mix. Yes. I was, I was going to say that. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Because when I worked at Benzel, I did this for some of our products. Because I was like, well, what's a really profitable product for us to sell? And what is not a profitable product for us to sell? And I basically decided what channels to advertise on and what and where to, to devote content manpower based on that. So like if people have heard me talk probably on 20 episodes of this podcast about fume extraction. And so I did that for fume extraction and I went through our historical Salesforce data and I was like, okay, what's the average, you know, what's been the average sale for a fume extraction? So the average cost was like, um, you know, the average sale for a fume extraction product for us was $49,000. And so then I went with my product manager there and said, okay, well, give me a sense for what the, the consumable business for that is like. That's the other thing you should look at if you sell CapEx. Like, what does your consumable business look like? It's not a lot, but it will be your recurring revenue, essentially. Like, it's a small amount of recurring revenue for your business, but you should factor it in. And so when you rec- we knew, like, going in, like, okay, people who buy fume extraction equipment from us usually have to replace 25% of their guns a year. They're, they're replacing... Um, they're replacing three tips on that gun a week. They're replacing one nozzle on that gun a month. They're, um, they're replacing um, two filters a year. And then they're, um, let's see, what, what else are we factoring in? That, that, that was about it. And so we, we, I basically costed all that out. And then also like the average person switches um, from provider to provider about every three years. And so the LTV of that customer is like three years before either you have a new product that you're able to go resell to them or they get or they get all rid of all your equipment to either upgrade or get or or downgrade or whatever. And so we were able to figure out well the lifetime value of a customer for this kind of stuff is like I think I think we factored out to somewhere around $150,000 or something like that. It was it was it was fairly substantial, it was surprising. And so I was like, well, you know, I could we could probably afford to spend, you know, if you're thinking 30% margin um at like a, a, after accounting for overhead and stuff like that. You know, we could probably stand to spend four or five k to acquire a customer. It would have been acceptable for us, but you have to actually go through with the people who can figure that stuff out for you, which is your CFO and your product manager, who's going to know what the consumer business looks like, and then your CFO is going to know what the margins look like, and then you're going to have to go and look at your own budget, and then say, okay, because I know I can say we can spend this much to acquire one customer, we channels like this are viable for us. Um, advertising avenues like this are viable for us. Um, and, and and basically putting budget towards certain product groups, we should put more budget towards these over things like these where we were doing like, you know, lightweight torches, which, you know, is a really nice business. And there's a huge total adjustable market for that business because everybody wants a lightweight gun, even like a hobbyist. But the but like the average sale on that was like four grand. And so the margins were just terrible um, as a result. But we used it as a way to get in to get other business. 
And so I was like, well, the only way I'm going to do for advertising on that's going to be like Instagram ads and like and, and a little bit on Facebook. But like, I'm not going to go LinkedIn on lightweight torches because it's just going to be totally unprofitable for us as a result. Yeah, so I think you have made a couple of good points that uh, lead to the conclusion that actually oftentimes uh, manufacturers might be underspending on marketing because they don't realize how profitable a customer actually is and that they should be spending more money to acquire those customers. The opposite can also be true, right? You might be spending too much to acquire customers. Mm-hmm. And I've actually been in this situation and like hindsight's twenty twenty, but this example is going to sound like, why were we doing this? <laughs> but when I was at this uh, water sensor manufacturing company, the big marketing push um, when I came to the company was like, we need to grow our e-commerce business. And that was cool because the e-commerce business was like, really high margin. It was like 80 or 90% margins. Um, but the e-commerce business was only like 100K a year, like when when I showed up, right? And, and our marketing budget wasn't huge, right? The marketing budget was like me, plus like, I don't know, a 20K a year trade show and like no advertising, just me sitting behind a computer doing SEO. Um, but, you know, I was, I, I would have had to like four or five X that e-commerce revenue in order to like really meaningfully have a have an ROI on what we were quote unquote spending in marketing. At the same time, we had um, OEM customers that were worth like $2 million a year. And it just dawned on me, like we shouldn't be focusing on growing the e-commerce business, the tiny e-commerce business, when if we change the messaging and focus exclusively on OEMs, uh, then we can we can pay back this marketing overhead investment with with one customer because you can invest my entire salary for the year plus any marketing budget I ask for and it pays itself back if you get one of those two million dollar a year kind of OEM customers. So um, it it transformed our messaging. Everything we wrote on the website totally different. Um, you know the segments we were targeting, uh, the obviously the buyer persona and then the type of content that we were creating because we were targeting it all to get these big OEM accounts as opposed to like a one-off e-commerce business that's not going to repeat the following year. Right. So all right, let's let's wrap this a little. Let's kind of tie a bow on this and kind of give like, – so for the man, marketing managers or the young directors who are like trying to figure this out, make sense of this, like what are some of the key takeaways? Let's give people just like an action item list of like, okay, this is what you need to understand going in to make better financial decisions with your go-to-market strategy as far as marketing goes. Mm-hmm. So I would say first thing to think about is, is your type of customer you're acquiring uh, a recurring revenue customer? So is it like an OEM or the type of customer that buys a significant amount of revenue worth of disposable products from you? Or is it a customer that's like a one and done purchase? Once you figure that out, you can figure out how much you can spend to acquire them based on that. Um, Because with a recurring revenue kind of big OEM customer, maybe you can afford to make a loss, quote unquote, make a loss in year one, acquiring that customer, and then you recoup the benefits in the subsequent years. But with a CapEx customer, you have to break even with the first purchase because there's not going to be a subsequent purchase. So that'd be the first thing that I look for. Uh, The second thing I would look for is to think about in the different segments of your business, is it easier to break even in marketing in one segment or another? And some segments are like industry focused, right? So fire trace would be precision machining, wind energy, the military, et cetera. Others are like the sensor X example I gave earlier. They're more like 
customer type focus. So like OEM versus, you know, e-commerce replacement business. So whatever segments make sense for your business, uh, look into kind of whether there's, there's a different financial picture in each segment um, before you determine where you want to spend marketing. Cause you might find that in some segments of your business, it doesn't make sense to spend marketing dollars at all, mm-hmm. which is a great finding because uh, manufacturing businesses tend to have small marketing teams. So you can actually optimize your time that way as well. So those are the two things I would look for. Yeah. And I mean, that's one, some of the things you can also look at is just honestly talking to your sales guys about that kind of stuff too. Because I know when I was in, at Benzel, automotive, the margins were so small, it wasn't worth going after automotive accounts really from a marketing standpoint. Whereas ConAg was much more profitable for us uh, and shipbuilding was more profitable too. General construction was more profitable. Energy was more profitable. And so try to focus more of my efforts there, knowing that there were a couple of things for automotive where it did make a lot of sense, but like just trying to sell straight welding torches was not nearly as uh, profitable. I would say other steps would be um, work with your product manager in certain segments to like um, figure out, you know, what is the recurring revenue look like for certain customers based on some of your product groups. Uh, They're going to know what like the, you know, consumables look like year to year, they're going to know what like just standard churn and replacement of products are going to look like year to year. That's going to allow you to figure out. You don't have to have this perfect, but you just have to have a good idea of lifetime value, whether you're doing CapEx or contract manufacturing or OpEx. Um, get an idea of, of the lifetime value of the customer. That's going to tell you how much how much you can afford to spend to acquire the customer. And then that's also going to give you a sense of the payback period on the back end of that. While we're talking about unit economics, I feel like it's important to make one final point, which is like understanding your customers' unit economics can mm-hmm. also level you up in your marketing. There's a difference between, we, we kept throwing around these terms CapEx and OpEx. And for people who don't know what that is, CapEx is like, they, it's like a big expensive purchase. And what the company does is they capitalize it. So like they pay back the cost of that purchase over a long period of time. So they spend a million dollars in 2018, but they expense it to their profit and loss statement in like, you know, $10,000 installments until the asset depreciates. OPEX is like, there's an, there's an OPEX budget. You could spend this much on maintenance and, and OPEX tends to be a lot smaller purchases. So like, when you market to your customers, knowing if, if your product is a CapEx purchase or an OpEx purchase, those touch different budgets, it can give you a level up in, in terms of how you position it because it's it's hard to get OpEx budget, to be honest. like It's much easier to get CapEx budget, I've found in most cases. Yeah, I think OpEx budget in some instances matters a lot. Like contract made, like packaging is OpEx budget or like, um, uh, well, I don't... I don't know if like casting services, something like that qualifies as OPEX or not. I actually don't know the answer to that. But but yeah, there's definitely the CapEx budget is definitely bigger. It depreciates. There's an amortization period to it. There's all the, all those things where like it's a long term expense that gets sort of progressively less for them over time. Um, so, yeah, my takeaways for our audience, like figure out which product segments within your company are the most profitable. If you have multiple, if you just have one, get a really good sense of profit margin from your CFO gross and then you know the level down after overhead understand the recurring revenue side of that or the lifetime value of that understand how much you can afford to spend to acquire a customer as a result and then from there you're going to know what channels to go on you're going to know like this isn't enough we can't afford to go to linkedin to do this we have to use facebook or instagram ads or, or just straight google ads and seo or you know we could spend 
$25,000 to acquire a customer, we should be doing a whole bunch of, you know, marketing brand awareness plays on LinkedIn as a result, because it's going to be worth it because of the targeting and because we can afford it. So that's our advice to you. I'll, I'll give everyone like a little piece of advice here. When I, it took me to like almost my third year at Venzel to understand unit economics uh, for our products. And it was a game changer for me. I was able to sit in front of my president and sit in front of my sales director and talk about profitability of acquiring a customer. And all of a sudden marketing got a lot more respect after they understood the numbers. So you don't have to be a financial expert, but if you know the numbers of what it costs to acquire a customer and how marketing can contribute to that long-term, you will get a lot more space to do things that you want to do. Absolutely. Um, be careful. Uh, some some uh, companies might have very small finance teams. Uh, and if you, if you ask for too many numbers, that might be kind of a burden you might you might need to work your way up to this level of sophistication um, but it's worth it's worth at least making the investment in yourself to understand this even if you can't apply it into your job today hopefully you could apply it at future companies so I think that's a great point to leave it off on Matt so I'll let you wrap us up let's do it thank you all so much for listening to industrial marketing show y'all can catch us on all of the major podcasting platforms Apple Spotify Google the works subscribe leave a review leave a five-star review hit mjn up if you want an episode if you want to be in an episode if you want to be a guest if you have a topic idea if you think we're awesome if you think we suck let us know we'd love to hear that kind of feedback um we will be back next week with another episode and for that i am matt and i'm mj and this is the industrial marketing show everyone thank you all so much for listening a year plus in i appreciate each and every one of you you guys have a great rest of your week